And then as I kind of ran out of personal funds to invest, I, I'm angelist offered me to be one of their first uh, leads for an angel fund. Welcome to the syndicate, the podcast about the investors behind the overnight successes. It takes years. It takes money. On this show, we interview the top angel investors, venture capitalists, and startups to share what it really takes to succeed with startup investing. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and I'm a serial entrepreneur and angel investor. And I believe startups are the future, and angel investing is the best way to build real true wealth. To find out more about us and join our syndicate on AngelList, please visit thesyndicate.vc. But now, let's get on with the show. Hey guys, welcome back to The Syndicate. Today, we have an epic interview planned. We've got Pascal. Pascal, how do I even pronounce your last name? Levi Gar- Garboua? I- I'm going to butcher it, so just tell me. Levi Garboua. Levi Garboua. Where are you from originally, or the family? Uh, I'm from France. My dad is from, uh, he was born in Egypt. Yeah, I saw I saw you went to school in France and then, and then seemed to come over to the States. Yeah, I, w- I went to school in France. Then I went to Stanford for a couple of years. Then actually went back to France to to work for eBay and start a, my first company. Uh, and then my first company grew enough and got to U.S. clients and raised money on Tenhi Road. And we moved back to the U.S. nine years ago. So where are you based now? I'm based in San Francisco. Very cool. Very cool. So you've bounced back and forth a little bit. I didn't really introduce you very much. So guys, Pascal Pascal's an accomplished investor. Your syndicate's one of the biggest on AngelList. You guys have invested in Ship, Caviar, PaintZen, RealtyShare, Sprig. You built and sold what appears to be a pretty successful company. I can't find I can't find details on Virtuos. And you just, yeah, you seem to be an all-around well-rounded guy. What's um what's what's the story? You start the business, it starts growing, you move to you move back to the West Coast and then what happens from there? Yeah, so we moved back to uh, for Virtuos. Virtuos was uh around a 50 people company, profitable, growing very fast. And uh, we signed some very large contracts in the US. And so as a consequence, we moved back to to San Francisco nine years ago in 2008. And then the crisis, the big, rece- the, the big recession happened, a lot of changes. So we had some challenges in the business, but no, it was st- we were still growing. And, and, and then in 2013, we got acquired by Nuance. In the meantime, I had left the company because I wanted to do something else and uh, helped a friend of mine with another um, AI company in the computer vision space, came to pivot their product line to um, do a, like a product turnaround and got them acquired by Yahoo and started my second company, Six Doors, which was a a marketplace, a gift delivery uh, platform in San Francisco. It was one of the earlier uh, on-demand startups in, in, in um, Silicon Valley. And you know, since we're going to talk about investing, I actually started investing when I was about to start Six Doors because I didn't have a big network in local commerce and le- local commerce was my big thesis. And so I started investing to get acquainted with founders in the local commerce space. Six Doors didn't pan out. But I, I, but I eventually I joined one of my portfolio company, Checker, which was at the time, which had a few, a few people at the time. And I've been with Checker ever since. Checker, for those who don't know, is uh, a background check API, background check API company 
we we work with the likes of Uber, Grubhub, Home Depot, uh, and uh, and thousands of other companies. You guys make it way easier. So I'm in Switzerland right now, and to get a residence permit, had to get FBI secured, not security clearance, um, whatever background checks. Eight to ten, eight to ten week process. You guys, you guys are simplifying that, making it making it much more efficient. I imagine exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you get into investing. You join the company you invested in, and then it looks like it looks like since then you've been doing quite a bit of investing. Um, did you, did you get the bug? What happened? Yeah, I mean, when I started investing initially, I did it because I wanted to learn, and because I also felt that um, no, I mean, we made some money with Virtuos, as you said, but uh, not as much as I would have hoped. I would say, and so. I decided to invest all the proceeds from, that I made into startups to transform my the money that I made into what I really wanted to make. Uh, so what did you really want to make? What's the goal? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to make ten times more than than what I made in the first place. So that that was the goal. Let let's invest in companies and see if I can ten x that. Which is a pretty hairy goal, as I've learned after, after some time. But, uh, you know, you, you need to give yourself a goal. And I think that, uh, I've invested initially with my own money, uh, in around 45 companies. And then as I kind of ran out of personal funds to invest, I, I'm, AngelList offered me to be one of their first, uh, lead for an angel fund. And uh, I did an angel fund, and so now I, I, I'm, at, I'm at my second angel fund. So you run the angel fund, you run the syndicate, and you do yes. some angel investing on the side, or is it all going through one of those two vehicles now? Yeah, now it's all going through these vehicles. I'm, the, the angel fund is my fund, so AngelList now allows uh, people to have their own angel fund and raise money on their platform for their fund. So it has a very similar structure to a fund. It, it just doesn't have management fees. It just has the carry and the fund structure. And then uh, I use a syndicate. So I, initially I use a syndicate mostly to uh, do late stage deals. So I would invest in myself in companies. And then uh, when the company was hitting series A or series B, I would do a syndicate. And that's what I, that was my initial usage of a syndicate. And then uh, what I did was that when I did the angel fund, I started also syndicated some seed deals. So I would invest a certain amount of my angel fund, like 25K or 50K. And then I would syndicate 100K more or with, um, with a fund. So you've built that up pretty successfully. Initially, it was just pro rata. And then you started, you started going a little earlier. How did you... It, it, so I've heard, I've heard two different things from syndicates. Either they meant to build it up. Or it just kind of happened. What was it for you? For me, it was a deliberate effort. I knew that I wanted to, at some point, as I was, as my, my second startup, Six Doors, was kind of uh, failing, I was thinking about the next steps for me. And one of the ideas was, should I build a fund? And my goal, the goal of the fund is, was, I called that a winner's fund. And the winner's fund goal was to invest in the series A or B of my successful portfolio companies. And, and just double down on the winner and put a million dollar each on each company. And then what happened was that I realized that, you know, having a real fund was pretty complex from a compliance standpoint and from, and I didn't want to do full, that full time. So I, so I, what I decided to do was to do a syndicate. 
and, but I didn't have any backing. I have like 25k of syndicate uh, following, and so I went about and 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 tried to meet as many people that had wealth and that would be interested in my pieces as possible to get to a point where where I could get 200 or 300 or 400k for a company, and and so I initially. My, for my syndicate, I knew everybody personally, or at least I had talked to everybody. So I've talked to tens of people to get the first five or six who'd commit. And then it started from, and, and then I did it. My first deal was, was actually Checkers Series B. And then from there, it started trickling. So my, my syndicate at the time was maybe 300K. Now it's 1.4 million. What percentage do you see? So a big deal is there's big numbers, but how many people and how much money are they actually putting in? So what's your what's your per deal average in terms of percentage? That's a very good question because I think that uh, it's you're right that it's very misleading these days. Uh, I think that for most syndicate leads, if you remove what I call the funds, which is the uh, CSC upshot or Hohen capital and the angel and the, and the funds that are dedicated to angelists, um, day in, day out, you can raise a hundred to 200 K reasonably easily. If you have a deal with lots of social proof, if you don't have as much social proof or whatever, it's, it's sometimes hard to even raise a hundred K. And I'm always shocked by that, to be honest with you, because you have a lot of good companies that are struggling to raise 100K or 80K minimum, even though you have amazing, I mean, you have, you have well, even though they are very promising on, on, on paper. So I would say that for seeds, I typically do 100 to 150. For Series A, I can typically do 250 to 300. For Series B or beyond, I can typically do 400 more. Um, I mean, I did actually a syndicate recently for a Series C company where I, I was able to get 2 million, but it was not all from my syndicate. It, I mean, I had to go out about and find uh, a lot of these investors in a way. I got you. I got you. So a lot of people talk about the dynamics between syndicates, VCs, angels, and what it looks like going forward. It sounds like it sounds like syndicates are doing well, but they're not doing as dynamically well as people think, or is it just there's more syndicates, so there's less investment per deal? Yeah, I think that the, 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 the crowd, I would say, in, in, the syndicates are doing well. A lot of them are getting funded. I would say that before you had a dynamic where you had a fund, the CSC Upshot Fund, which was basically able to invest 100k per company. And uh, since they were doing that, they, um, I mean, if they, if they said yes to you, you had your syndicate going and you could raise as much as you wanted. Now, uh, they are more cautious, I would say, for various reasons. And so as a consequence, uh, they invest very much, much less often. And it's, it's becoming harder to get to a point where you can raise your minimum. And so I think that people are more cautious or using different tactics to get to a minimum. But it, I mean, you have some, I must say that some of the syndicate leads that have either a huge backing, like four or five million. So these guys raise 200, 300K all the time. And also you have another 
type of people, like you have people that have had a very large exit with their syndicates. And so these guys also raise the money pretty easily. So it's, it's really a matter of uh, individual experience. And so if you're not one of those, uh, then you, know, you have to, to go at it a bit more, I would say. So you said CSC. Are you talking about the, the Chinese investment bank? Yeah, the, yes. The, the Chinese investment fund that committed 400 million to angels. Yeah. Have you seen, have you seen more institutional investors start to get on board? Yeah. I mean, Angelist has, so CSC is kind of a big one. They have a, a, a bunch of smaller ones that can invest now up to 40 or 50 K all combined. Uh, that we don't know about, but they're on the platform. And then you have, I would say, a bunch of, um, I mean, they're trying to get more and more. And Angelis' job right now is really to help syndicates be more successful by bringing them more capital. And the capital comes from the funds and then from the crowd. So AngelList is almost acting as their own, not LP per se, but LP introducer into, into syndicates to make them more viable for larger scale investments. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, if you're a crowd, if you look at crowdfunding uh, companies and you know, the best example of that was Lending Club. Lending Club source of funds was a third institutional, a third coming from regional banks, and a third coming from a crowd. And that was their, that was their, that has been their focus all, all the way. And, you know, I think that Angelis will be around the same. A third big institution like the CST Upshot, a third from coming from family offices and smaller funds, and a third coming from the crowd. I think it's a, I think it's a good ratio and it allows for better decision making for, every, for everybody. Yeah, you get, that's, that's an interesting, I hadn't thought about it that way. I hadn't. So I want to, I want to pivot this a little bit. So sure. now, now you're, you're VP of business at Checker. You're running, I mean, you guys have raised 50 million from what I can see. So yeah. you guys, you guys seem to be going very well. How do you handle a high caliber role while also running the fund and the syndicate? I work a lot. Um, I mean, I would say the following. I, I have a, initially when I was investing, uh, as a founder of six doors, I had the rule that I could not spend more than two hours per week on angel investments. And so I would spend an hour getting, uh, reading decks and an hour meeting the one person that I wanted to meet out of all the decks that I've selected, that I've read. Um, and I invested sometimes in some of these companies. Now, what I do is that because I've invested in so many companies, I get a lot of intros. And so there's a lot of company, my deal flow only comes from intros. Sometimes I go and there is a company that I find out about and I really want to talk to the founders, but it's rare. Most of the time, I meet people through introductions. And so when I read the deck, if I like it, then I'll do a call or I'll meet them. Um, and I'll, I'll always meet them over lunch at Checker uh, when I can. Or I'll have a call at a specific time in the morning when I'm in my car after bringing the kids to school. So I have a discipline, I would say, around that which allows me to not take away too much time out of my day for checker um, and still, you know, be able to keep investing. And it's, I mean, everybody knows in the company that I, that I still do that, that I do that. 
and they are fine. I mean, it's as long as you're you're making progress and your teams are are managed and you're you're getting good results and you're being a good team member with the e-staff, it's okay. I imagine it brings you good tech press too. How many kids? How are, so you really have your hands full? Yeah, I have two kids, two uh, kids. Nine, nine, nine and five. Very cool. Very cool. So I want to jump into the lightning round. How's that sound, Pascal? Sure. Okay. Now we go. Now we go rapid fire. Who's the first company you invested in? Um, the first first was a company called Productive. It's a, it was a task management software company. I invested in 2009. It was acquired by Jive Software for a 5x exit. Oh, that's not bad for a first up to that. What are you excited about today? Uh, in life, in, in my companies, or... No, what, whatever whatever excites you. It could be AI. It could be the next Star Wars movie. could be business um, investments. That's a good question, actually. Uh, I'm not necessarily in, uh, excited by a theme. I'm excited today by the... I'm generally excited by the challenge of learning. And when there are things that are very new... It kind of opened my brains and it forces me to go deep into a topic that I have no clue of. To be honest with you, these days, a lot of that is around uh, cryptocurrency, where it's not that I'm investing like crazy in that. It's just that I, I want to understand because I, I can see how this, is, this will be the future. And it's really complex to deeply understand. So a lot of, of what I'm excited about these days is about understanding that and understanding the past to better understand the future, which is actually pretty close to the checker mission statement. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And still getting, still getting in the at bat for the company. What's the biggest company you missed? Uh, the, the biggest company I missed is a startup called OfferUp, which is a local market, like a Craigslist competitor, local marketplace. Last time I know their valuation was around a billion something. And I met them when they were raising their angel round with a valuation of two or three million. Ooh, that uh, one's hard. Yeah. I mean, you learn. And yeah. I, re- I still remember our, our, my encounter with a founder in uh, Redwood City, Sofitel, which was completely random. And I, but I also remember that I thought it, it was smart, but there were also 10 Craigslist knockoff at the time. And he happened to be the one who created the one that is one of the two or three potential winners. So, you know, it's, um, I mean, you never know. Pick your horse and you ride it. Which field will dominate yeah. the next 10 years in exits and IPOs? Well, I mean, I hope local commerce because <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> that will be good for me. That's what I did at least. Uh, but, um, I think that, um, I mean, I think it will be pretty diversified to be honest with you. You'll, you still have a lot of, in terms of exits, when you think about mobile and AI, which have been the big, large waves of the past two to five years, you didn't, you don't have a lot of exits there. And so I think that in the next two to five years, it will be a lot of that. And then I think a lot of it will be in applying crypto to some topics, whether it will be an exit, traditional exit or a more put together ICO, I don't know, but I think that these will be the next 10 years. Certainly been quite a few exits on these ICOs. Now, most of them don't yeah. seem to be very valuable in whatsoever, but that's a whole nother story. Um, who's, yeah, our, yeah. who's your biggest business role model growing up? Growing up, I would say I didn't have a lot of um, 
role models. So in France, we tend to not kind of um, have role models very early, like people do here in the U.S. So I would say my dad. And, and today, I mean, I'm not even sure I have one per se. I have people that I respect and look look up to for different things. And I try to kind of, more than having a role model, I try to to learn from the people that I, from everybody around me, but I, but I see do things that are interesting. And it's, it's kind of true everywhere. And that's probably the best, that's probably the best piece of advice. Um, what's overhyped today? I think that crypto is overhyped in the short term and underhyped in the long term. Agreed. Definitely agreed. One productivity hack you like? I'm a big, big fan of Inbox Zero. And I tend to maintain inbox like a sub five email in my inboxes, and that's very important to me. And so I rely a lot on software like Boomerang and and others to keep that inbox zero. Right now, I have an inbox thirteen uh, in my personal inbox, and I'm freaking out. Thirteen <laughs> is not very lucky. You need to you need to work on that. So. Pat- yeah. Pascal, back to you a little bit. You've invested in a lot of cool companies. What are some of your favorites and why? I mean, it's hard to, sure. More than a favorite, I would say there are five or six that are today at a very sizable point in their life. And then there are others that are emerging that are pretty cool. Uh, But it's hard to pick a favorite because it's like selecting your favorite child. And I don't like to do that. Like many of my portfolio companies ask me which one is your favorite and, and they assume, but you know, I, I don't want to pick one because it's, I like all of them. I would say that there are a few that are at si- sizable. So Wompli, which is a company that does uh, software for, for SMB, uh, has been able to build a business that uh, has a hundred thousand clients or more uh, in the U.S. And, uh, and it was one of my first real investments like five years ago. And I'm very excited about them and they're at very sizable, um, place in their career. Um, so there's Wompli, there's a checker, obviously. There's a company called Realty Shares, which is a real estate crowdfunding. There's a company called WAG. So these are the companies that, I mean, that are doing really, really well. Uh, and, uh, have raised significant amount of funding, I would say. So they have a, a fair amount of validation. And then you have other companies that I like for other reasons. Uh, for example, you have a company called Seven Cups, which is a, a marketplace for health, um, help for free health advice. Um, and this company I like because it's a very important company. If it succeeds and if it provides free mental health help at scale, and they have scale already today, then that's very important for the world. Um, and, and so that's company is something that I, is someone that is one that I really like. And then there are other companies that I think that what they're doing is pretty, could pretty be game changing, uh, and have an impact that is way broader, um, for large industries. So there's a company called Origin. Uh, that does, that develops a 3D printer, mostly based out of software. And, you know, they could build 
an amazing, amazing company with deep platform uh, dynamics and network effect. But I mean, these are some of the companies that I like for various reasons, but uh, there is no company that, uh, that I don't love. Absolutely. You, lo- you love all the kids, even though there's always, there's always that one or two, but um, one, one last question. So you invested in, you invested in the company you're working for now. I imagine you've been advising them along the way, and then you join the team. What are the dynamics like where you're an investor and also on the team? That's a great question, I would say. But, well, I mean, I think it's, um, it's, it's a bit hard sometimes to find your place. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, the founder and CEO treats you, talks to you as an advisor more as an executive his team. And sometimes you treat, you, you talk to him as an advisor and not as an executive in his team. And sometimes you're right to talk to him that way. And sometimes you're wrong and you should be at your place and accept the fact that you're not an advisor anymore and you're an executive in his team. And sometimes I find it easy. Sometimes I find it hard. I would say that, um, recently I think it was harder for me, but, um, I'm learning every day to, to stay where I need to, to be and to, to keep in my place. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that as a company grows, you, you have to, to stay at your place, uh, and, and stay as an executive of a company and not anymore as an advisor of a company. And that's a very, yeah, it's a very different dynamic. Often you see investors that grab advisor roles, they grab, they grab board seat roles, but you very, you very rarely see them jump into the company directly. No, but I mean, I still believe that, um, I mean, there was this, um, tweet that I saw recently from a Geekster founder that says that at, at this, like, who said six months ago, but at this point, every angel investor of Uber would be better off just working at Uber and helping the company and write the ship because there's so much, or like, because whatever, even if, if they had invested in Stripe or others, like 99% of their wealth was tied to Uber anyway, and they were much better off making Uber a hundred billion dollar company than doing anything, than investing in any other companies in their portfolio. And I think it's right. And so in my case, that was kind of my, my scenario. Hence why Benchmark is suing Uber, because as long as they can land that airplane, they are golden. Now, if they, if they crash and burn, they're going to get quite something. But, um, Pascal, this is, this has been really fun. I know that you're a really busy guy. You have a ton going on. You've got kids. You've got the businesses, et cetera. I got one last question for you. What's the one thing sure. I should have asked you about that I didn't? I hope you'll cut the silence in the production. Um, let me think. I mean, you could, you could ask me why I still like investing. I've, I've invested in 65 companies. It's a lot. And like, what, like, I, or, or maybe like what's, what would you say to yourself to to the five year to, to to myself? What would I say to myself five years ago that uh, I wish I had known at the time uh, and that I know now as an angel investor? Mm-hmm. And I think that you under I think that as an angel investor that came into it a bit by accident, you forget how long the cycles are. It takes a lot of time to build companies into very meaningful exits. And, and so the capital that you block for investment takes way more time to bear fruits than you would like. And it, I mean, I can, I can attest to that because 
after three or four years, I didn't have any money to invest anymore. And, I, and if the angel fund didn't exist, I was screwed. So I think that was one thing. The second thing that I've learned is that exits is actually, there are very, very few exits overall. And I think it's a problem for a startup ecosystem in general, but like I see you, you, if you look at some of the companies that I mentioned to you earlier, some of them are, you know, fairly large, uh, having revenues in the eight digits, uh, realm. Actually, most of them in the eight digits realm. And so, you know, the odds of them creating meaningful companies is pretty high. And so some of them hopefully will go to a meaningful exit. But if you look at the, com- in the company in the middle, like the, how many hundred million dollar acquisition has there been in the last five years? I mean, there have been a few, obviously, but not as much as you need to maintain the, the, a good dynamic of a portfolio of thousands of angels, thousands of VCs. And that's something that I find scary. And that I think that if I had known, I would have behaved a bit differently, I think, uh, earlier on. To be fair, VCs are partially responsible because when you keep throwing money at private companies and letting them stay private longer, then you don't have to IPO because IPOing and going to the public markets just gives, I mean, we've all seen companies that are, that are doing shit and the stocks are going up and down and it just seems, it doesn't seem as correlated as it should be. So I can't, I can't totally blame entrepreneurs who don't want to IPO. No, but I mean, if you look at a company that would exit for $300 million, it's typically a company that could be at a series B or C stage that could get there. And at that time, sure, there's plenty of money, but you know, sometimes there's a good exit on the table and, and as a founder, you should take it. And I mean, I don't know if there are not enough of these offers on the table. And so founders are greedy or if it's just that there is not a lot of uh, offers on the table. And so by default, founders just keep going. I don't know, but it seems like Facebook and Google seem to be buying everything. Pascal, I want to thank you for coming on today. It's been fun. You shared a, a cool and interesting story. It's not necessarily the conventional approach, but I think it's one that seems to be freaking doing great. So um, there's definitely definitely nothing to knock. Where's the best place for people to say hey? They can come to Twitter. My Twitter is uh, at Tupac, uh, like Tupac, the rapper, but with an S. Uh, and or we can come on LinkedIn. Uh, pre, if you if you have a pitch, and I get a, I get pitches on LinkedIn every day. Uh, please send a, a link to your DocSend or Dropbox uh, deck so that I can review it. It will prevent me from sending another email asking you for it. And uh, and since I get a lot. Uh, at least it will, it will have my attention faster. And Pascal likes local markets or local commerce marketplaces. And what else? What type of pitches? I mean, t- today, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm very, I'm very broad in terms of what I'm looking for, but I, I, I tend to invest in companies that have either, uh, market networks dynamics or so marketplaces dynamics, uh, network effects and data modes. So these are a f- the companies that I that I need to invest in, they need to have kind of a platform and marketplace capability, and that has that's something that is very very important uh, to me today. And if you guys want to invest alongside, make sure you go and check out Pascal's syndicate. So what you're going to do? Go to the syndicate.vc/join. 
join our syndicate and then go right over to Pascal's, get in there as well, and then make sure that you're bust boosting up that deal flow, getting some good stuff. Thanks for coming today, Pascal. Thank you very much. Have an awesome day and always let me know if I can help with anything. Sure. Bye. Bye, man. Cheers. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Syndicate, the podcast where angel investors and VCs go off the cuff and discuss the ins and outs of the venture ecosystem. We're here to share the tips and tricks of the best in the business, because startups and tech make the pie bigger. To learn more about us and what we do, visit thesyndicate.vc. And to join our syndicate on AngelList, just go to thesyndicate.vc slash join and get access to some of the best startup deals. This has been another episode of The Syndicate. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys again next week.